case. Um, it was nice to uh, sing some of those songs, some of those old hymns with different tunes, To God Be the Glory. I hadn't heard that tune before, and it's a very nice tune. Uh, again, I got into a bit of a muddle because I started off the first two lines singing the old tune, which didn't really fit in that well with what was actually being played. We're coming now to God's word, and we are continuing, as, as, as Chris has said, uh, looking at holiness. Holiness. You know, the book of Leviticus, which is not a book that we, uh, we look at very often, is it? The book of Leviticus sets out a, a whole catalogue of laws, laws that the children of Israel, God's chosen people, should live by. And right at the centre, a fundamental requirement of Almighty God is the need for his children to live holy lives. Leviticus 19, verses 1 and 2, reads like this. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. This message, this, this command, wasn't given to a, a select few. No, to the entire assembly, the entire congregation of God's people, priests and people alike. No one was exempt. No one was exempt from such a responsibility, from such an obligation. And under the New Covenant, in the New Testament, the inheritors of, of God's sovereignty and God's fatherhood on their lives, on our lives, on our lives, we are also called to be holy. The Apostle Peter echoes this command in Leviticus to live a life of holiness, to consecrate our lives in spiritual holiness. We read this in the Apostle Peter's first letter, 1 Peter 1, verses 14 and 15. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. Be holy in all you do. In other words, to live sanctified lives. And it's sanctification uh, that's the subject, really, uh, for this morning. In his second letter, Peter talks quite a bit about our Lord's return. And as we look forward to that and live in preparation for that event, so our lives should become more Christ-like, more Christ-like. Let me read to you uh, chapter 3 of uh, Peter's second letter. I think it'd probably be up on the screen as well. You might like to look at it in your Bibles. It's quite a, quite a long reading, really, but I think it's worth reading the whole of, of the chapter. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Saviour through your apostles. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. 
ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it, as it did since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world was destroyed, was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. I think it's ungodly men and women, actually. <laughs> but do not forget this, this one thing, dear, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters came, contain some, hard th some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do other scriptures in their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and our Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. That's quite a, a lovely um, phrase, isn't it? Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. The Apostle John, in his uh, first letter, says something uh, really quite similar, but perhaps a bit more pointed and challenging. He says in 1 John uh, 2 and verse 6, Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Must walk as Jesus did. I wonder, I wonder if that's a fair description of my life. How do I measure up to those challenges of Peter and John? Do I grow spiritually in that way? Do I constantly live a holy and godly life, a sanctified life? You know, I must confess, when I ask myself those sorts of questions, I feel, feel quite embarrassed at the answers I really should be giving. I do get some comfort, of course, from uh, Paul's words in Romans chapter 7. Uh, he reveals the struggles that he has with sin in his life. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Who will rescue me from this body of death? 
thanks be to God. Thanks be to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Words that we can, we can say as well. You know, when I started to search the uh, scriptures on the subject of sancti sanctification, uh, I was a little surprised to find Jesus himself speaking about being sanctified. In John's Gospel, chapter 17, we read Jesus' prayer to his father prior to, to his arrest, asking uh, the disciples to be protected. And in the prayer, he says this, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you know, we're, um, we're actually using Bishop Ryle's book on holiness as the backdrop to our uh, current series uh, of talks. And Bishop Ryle actually starts his chapter on sanctification with that scriptural uh, verse. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. You know, there's a message there in itself, it seems to me. God's word immersing ourselves in scripture you know that can be a great catalyst for for sanctification matthew henry in his usual pithy way describes scripture and in particular in relation to this verse 17 of john 17 in this way god's word is the seed of the new birth and the food of the new life the food of the new life you know we need food don't we to keep our our bodies healthy and strong we need to read and listen really listen to God's word to keep our spiritual lives uh, fully nourished John goes on to say in verses 18 and 19 of John 17 as you have sent me into the world I have sent them into the world for them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified you know at first I was a little puzzled when I read that the divine son of God needing to be sanctified until I delved into my amplified Bible and it amplified verse, verses 19 like this verse 19 like this for their sake and on their behalf I sanctify dedicate consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified dedicated consecrated made holy in the faith so we can see there, can't we, with the help of the Amplified Bible, the words of Jesus, qualities, marks, that have been seen to be displayed not only in Jesus himself, but also in his followers. Dedicated, consecrated, sanctified, made holy. To quote those words of, of John again, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. In the last chapter of the second letter of Peter, Peter we read uh, where Peter is talking about the certainty of uh, uh, this present world, this present age, that it will come to, come to an end. He goes on and says, but, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. And that's something that all God's children are looking forward to. A new heaven and new earth a home of righteousness. doesn't seem to me there's a lot of righteousness about in the world these days, but we're looking forward to a home of righteousness. But in the context uh, of this event, Peter counsels his readers in verse 11 of chapter 3, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? 
What kind of people ought you to be? What kind of people ought we to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed his coming. Holy and godly lives, sanctified lives. There are two distinct features, two distinct aspects of sanctification that the Bible describes. Firstly, as Christ calls us into his family, as we're converted, as we're born again, so we are sanctified by his spirit. Bishop Ryle again puts it like this in his book, uh, uh, Holiness. I've abbreviated it slightly from what he says. He says this sanctification is that inward spiritual work which the Lord Jesus works in a person by the Holy Spirit when he calls them to be a true believer. He not only washes them from their sins in his own blood, but he also puts a new principle, puts a new principle in their hearts. You know, Christians, God's children, are described in the New Testament of saints. I sometimes wonder, uh, myself being called a saint, um, I think, well, perhaps not. But uh, we are called saints, Christians, God's children, are, are called saints. Paul regularly, doesn't he, use this phrase in his letters that he sends to the saints at Ephesus, to all the saints at Philippi, uh, and so on. This title denotes this separation, this consecration uh, to God, a holiness and purity of life and character. Saints that is very closely associated uh, with the word sanctity, the word sanctification. As that quote from, from Ryle puts it, at a conversion, believers have a new standing before God in Christ. Scripture speaks of this aspect of our sanctification as being dead to sin. Dead to sin. Liberated from the slavery of sin. Because of what our Lord Jesus Christ did for us. Achieved for us. As he carried our sins. And they deserve punishment for those sins. On the cross at Calvary. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. As those glorious words of Paul put it in Romans chapter 6. That magnificent chapter describing our new life in Christ. Sanctified. Made holy. The moment we come to Christ in total faith and commitment. As one commentator has put it. Sin is dethroned. Sin is dethroned. To use the words of Paul himself. Sin shall not be your master, because you're not under law, but under grace. By grace you have been saved. By grace you have been sanctified. Sanctified through the outpoured blood of our Saviour, the sacrificial Lamb of God. You know, when God looks at us as his children, converted, part of his family, he sees we're wrapped uh, in a robe of righteousness. A robe of righteousness, the very righteousness of Jesus Christ himself. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that absolutely wonderful? Really too wonderful, wonderful for words. All we need to do is throw ourselves, it seems to me, uh, prostrate before our Saviour. Maybe, maybe figuratively, but nonetheless in a certain uh, and true reality. 
On several occasions in the past, we've holidayed with Eric and Eileen uh, on the island of Mallorca. And while there, we've visited a church, a chapel, at the top of a, a small hill in the town of Palenza. Uh, perhaps some of you have, have, have gone to that chapel as well yourself when you've gone to that island. It's reached by climbing uh, a, f a flight of wide stone steps, 365 in all, one for every day of the year. On the way up, you pass 14 three-metre-high crosses, marking Christ's journey to the cross, the 14 stations of the cross. Every Easter, there would be a parade of local people who would climb the steps as an act of remembrance and an act of devotion to God. I understand that in the past, pilgrims would climb these steps on their hands and knees, on their hands and knees. The chapel in uh, Palenza is called Calvary Chapel. And so clearly these, these pilgrims uh, and perhaps those modern day parade of, of local people would be remembering and honouring Jesus' sacrifice uh, at Calvary, sacrifice for their sins my sins you know perhaps this type of action this this behavior is not something that we would uh, consider doing ourselves but you know nonetheless it does seem to me a certain devotion a certain reverence involved in the symbolism you know can we learn from that ourselves you know can we sometimes be a little casual a little casual in the way we come to God you know, we, we must ourselves bring a, a real devoutness to the way we approach and serve our Lord. Even in the way we offer and display that holiness and sanctity in our lives. A real devoutness and reverence as God's children, born again into his family, sanctified. But you know, that initial aspect of sanctification is not meant to, to stay there. Whilst the reality and certainty of that sanctification given to us uh, when we come to faith in the first place can't change, we are called to live ongoing sanctified lives. Theologians, it seems to me quite appropriately, uh, call this progressive sanctification. Progressive sanctification. And this progressive sanctification should lead to us living more and more like our saviour himself. John Stott once said, what is holiness except Christ-likeness? What is holiness except Christ-likeness? In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this, which is really a corollary uh, of that call to divine holiness. He says this, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. As someone once wrote, God's standard is moral perfection because his unchanging nature is moral perfection. That's some ask, isn't it? Some ask. Bishop Ryle, again, puts it like this. Let us not expect too much from our own hearts here below. At our best, we shall find ourselves find in ourselves daily cause for humiliation and discover that we are needy debtors to mercy and grace every hour. 
The more light we have, the more we shall see our own imperfection. Sinners we were when we began, sinners we shall find ourselves as we go on. Renewed, pardoned, justified, yet sinners to the very last. Our absolute perfection is yet to come. And the expectation of it is one reason why we should long to go to heaven. That's lovely, isn't it? Our absolute perfection is yet to come. And the expectation of it is one reason why we should long for heaven. Marvellous. Of course, as Ryle says, we'll never reach such perfection, this side of glory. But you know, as God's children, with his Holy Spirit with us to guide us, guide all we are and all we do, so we should pursue this perfection, this holiness rather. Now you might be saying to yourself that uh, this journey into the world of sanctification is all very good, but just a, a journey into dry theology. Well, theology it might be, but it, you know it's certainly not dry. What could be more exciting, more challenging, more exhilarating than to meditate and pursue a life of commitment and consecration to our Heavenly Father, to please God? who sacrificed his son, sacrificed himself, so that in him we can be called the children of God. I've just read a book um, that describes in graphic language the physical anguish, uh, anguish, as well as the emotional and spiritual anguish that Jesus went through during his execution, went through for us, went through for you, and went through for me. I actually found it quite heart-rending uh, when I was reading it, saved by the precious blood of Jesus, to quote the Apostle Peter again, and sanctified, made holy at our conversion, and then called to a continued, ongoing life of holiness. All the more, when we really do comprehend the wonder of the sanctity we receive when we first came to our Lord in faith. You remember uh, the warnings that Paul wrote in his letter to the church in Corinth to correct the influence that uh, the corrupt and sinful society that they were living in was having on them. Influences that were creeping into their behaviour and lifestyle, uh, lifestyle of the Christians themselves. You know, it struck me as I, I thought about that, how our own modern society, uh, the materialistic and somewhat hedonistic society, can even influence our own lives, you know. The Corinthians even distorted the concept of the freedom that we have in Christ. A freedom as those born again into the, the family of God. They saw it as a freedom to do what they liked. Paul addressed this issue, the uh, temptation that our freedom in Christ could lead to license. In his letter to the Galatians, Paul wrote this, the freedom God's children have is freedom from the slavery of the law. Now through the sacrifice of Jesus, we are under grace, not the law. Don't get tied up again to the slavery of the law. I think the message paraphrase uh, puts it very helpfully, uh, perhaps illustrating what I'm trying to say. It says this, it paraphrases Galatians 5 and verse 13, like this. You have been called to live in freedom. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve 
one another in love. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. In other words, they should live pure lives, holy lives, sanctified lives, lives under God's grace in Christ. You know, as God's children, there's that uh, marvellous paradox between the freedom that we have in Christ and our responsibility to live pure lives, consecrated in obedience to our Heavenly Father, knowing and confident in those reassuring words of Paul. Thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's all of Christ. All of Christ. Not of ourselves, not of our own endeavours. Jim Packer, uh, was a highly respected evangelical theologian. I suspect many of you have read some of his books. He died a few years ago. And in writing some of his books, one that was very popular was entitled God's Words. And it was subtitled Studies in Key Bible Themes. He, he wrote on 17 such themes. And one was holiness and sanctification. Packer refers in that chapter to Bishop Ryle's book uh, that we've been using for this series. And Packer echoes Ryle's insistence that as God sanct sanctifies us at our conversion, then we need to pursue ho <coughs> excuse me, holy lives thereafter in obedience and through the work of his spirit in our lives. To quote Packer, holiness is no more by faith without effort than it is by effort without faith. It is important to keep the balance here. It has not always been kept. Let me repeat that. Holiness is no more by faith without effort than it is by effort without faith. It is important to keep the balance. Now a phrase that uh, you hear from time to time in Christian circles, you, you heard it perhaps more in the past, I'm, I haven't heard it so much these days. Let go and let God. Let go and let God. And you know, whilst we must never lose that true sense of dependence on our Lord, it's crucial that we live out our lives in active obedience to him, to fight the good fight, to resist the devil, as Peter put it in his first letter. Be self-controlled. Your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. And as the Apostle James puts it, in James 4, verses 7 and 8, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Yet another encouragement to live sanctified lives. You know, how we need to draw close to our Heavenly Father. Not now and again, not now and again, but as an ongoing 24-7 relationship with him. The wonder of our lives as God's children, sanctified, made holy, as we sincerely and honestly come to him in faithful, reverent submission because of our Lord's sacrifice at Calvary. And let's determine Let's determine to fully consecrate our lives to our Heavenly Father, knowing that through his Spirit we can indeed grow in grace and in the knowledge 
of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We realise how it does strike through to us. Uh, it affects our consciences. And dear Lord, we pray that you will help us to live more like our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, how we need to do that. Lord, forgive us for those ways in which we fail you in so many ways. And we ask that we may indeed fully sanctify our lives through your Holy Spirit. For we ask it in our Saviour's name. Amen.